On this episode of Quantum Week, October 5th through 11th, 2003. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and we talk about movies and music and headlines and we're in uh, October of 2003 with Kill Bill Volume 1 and Bigger Than My Body by John Mayer. That's right. Uh, so before we get started, huge thank you to our patrons, um, in particular, Matthew C. Not me, but another Matthew C. And, sure, uh, sure. Mark Whatever L. You <laughs> and Mark L. Well, you would know. And Mark L. Yes, thank yeah. you to both of you. Um, I have somebody to start the show off you're going to love. Okay. A milk Dudley weather report. You wait, you're starting off the show with it? I am. Mix it all up, baby. Wow. Uh... So we are in October of 2003. Yes. Mostly mild weather was observed throughout the nation, except for a few spots of heavy rain. North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Ready for this? Mm. October 8th. Three and a half inches of rain. Wow. And here's this joke. Causing many trailer park uh, mobile homes to float away. Like John Mayer's goofy celebrity hound career. He's a celebrity poonhound career. Poonhound career. There you go. You botched that joke. I botched the joke. Uh, that well-written, not as well-delivered joke. John Mayer's goofy celebrity poonhound career. That's a tough one to say, though. I'll it, give you that. It floated, I, no, I missed the... Was, you missed the poon. I missed, I missed the... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wouldn't be the, the first oh, time. But, uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you really want to go there? <laughs> is that, is that I don't you, know. Is that what you want to do? <sighs> Probably not. Uh, so you like that one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three and a half inches of rain. Yep. <laughs> North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Thank you. <laughs> Homes floated away. Like John Mayer's Poonhound celebrity career. Did he say celebrity too? Is like a celebrity poon. That's why I got kind of celebrity. Oh, because because he's because he's famous for kind of you know chasing women and whatnot. Or he only chases celebrity women. Yeah, yes, kind of like this. It has definitely kind of we can talk about later. Kind of besmirched his career a little bit. I would assume. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, before though, we talk about John Mayer. Talking about Kill Bill. Yes, we are. Volume one. So this is how many is this our fourth uh, Tarantino film? We've done Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, this one, and Glorious Bastards. That's yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And we're doing part two or volume two uh, on our, uh, you're hearing this on a Saturday. We're doing this on our Wednesday show. Uh, obviously, we had the Patreon show in the middle. Yep. Um, and that movie's uh, lost in translation. You hear that on Sunday if you have the Patreon. But otherwise, you know, we're kind of doing this back to back, which makes this a little bit challenging, um, at least for me. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to talk about a movie and. There's we've like, only seen half of it. We've only seen half of it. Um, do you actually regret that we didn't just do the whole thing? I was thinking about that. I was me watching. Too. I was like, yes Ugh. and no. Um, no, I mean, and if we're staying true to our show, this is how people felt that week. That's true. You know, you saw half of it. You're waiting for more. So, and I haven't, this is, so, uh, this is not one of my favorite Tarantino. This is in his weaker half for me. Hmm. Um, I, it's not as bad as Grindhouse. This isn't as bad as, uh, Hateful Eight. Yeah, we're not talking that bad, but uh, it's probably the next worst or the next. You know, it's next on that list. It's a huge gap between Hateful Eight and this for me. Quality. This is a. I enjoy this movie. Yeah, I really enjoy this movie. But um, it's a. It's this is not a great movie. I have trouble calling this great, especially the first half. I'm only talking about the first half now, I guess. But um, I, I have trouble calling this a, a great movie. 
it's tough because I also know the second half. It's tough. It's tough to put myself in that situation. Right. The whole thing together combined, it's borderline great. This me. should have been one film. It should have been one. Yeah, this yeah. frustrates me. So I was watching this, and maybe because we're watching it this way, I find my I found myself aggravated with a few scenes. I'm like, oh, they should have cut that. Should have cut that. Um, like for instance, the whole Sunny Chiba stuff with the sword. Like we don't need to know how she gets the sword. That one scene in particular where she's at the restaurant. And they're going back and forth. It's not funny. Yeah. It might be Tarantino's like worst written uh, mm. scene. Yeah. In his entire, other than Grindhouse stuff, maybe in his entire career. Uh, it's, it's totally needless. Like that, there's no reason for that to be there. But I'm thinking, I don't know who he is when I first see this movie. The first time I see it, I don't think I know who he is. But why do we even need to know him at all? Why can't you just have a sword? <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I watching that well, scene. Cause I, a lot of times in these, fi- in this, in these type of films, yes. you, you do have, you sort of have to level up. Yep. Right? And so this is her way of leveling up. And I think, obviously, so much of this is, is an homage to Kung Fu films. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you Spaghetti know. Western together, yeah. Yeah. Um, we kind of have to go on your vision quite, like, you have to you have to build yourself back. And, and we don't get to see her f- really physically build herself back. No, that seems a little ridiculous. Yeah, with the toe move? I mean, I guess, I get that she is, in some ways, kind of a superhero. I mean, you yeah. can see her, you know, oh, she yeah. just kills 88 guys. I mean, you know, right. she's, she's amazing. But that is a little silly. But I guess you have to get her to... We have to move it along. We do. I mean, seeing her in like rehab wouldn't be really fun. But we didn't really get a montage of her like practicing again. No. So I think you have to level up. Maybe that's why the sword, that sword section. I felt like it was in there. I know. No, here's what happened. Okay. Okay. So he presents the film to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. In June of 03. And Harvey Weinstein says like, this is too long. This isn't going to work. A big reason it's so long is because when he's writing this, Uma Thurman gets pregnant mm. with Maya Hawk, who's later on Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, but that stalls, you know, they haven't started production. That stalls kind of the pre-production process. I think the chef had too much time in the kitchen, started throwing in too many spices because now it gets bloated. I see. Like, I I think you can have too much time. You start to overwrite. Yeah. And things become, also things become sacred cows that maybe wouldn't have been if you, because you're just with them for so long. So you think they're more important than they are. And he brings this three and a half hour, you know, behemoth, more than almost four hour behemoth it's over four hours actually I, yeah, yeah one's 152 the other's 215 yes four hour movie right a four hour fucking kung fu movie that's that a doesn't lot. really have a plot exactly it's just a revenge it's, it's, it's just revenge yeah that's it to harvey weinstein and he's like well we can't we can't do this quinn uh you know we can't just put out a four hour movie it's right that. people aren't gonna want to see that so he did say cut it in two i think quinn did well also, i think he first said Maybe you want to cut some of these scenes well, out. Well, famous for cutting. Harvey yes, is, yeah, yeah. is in my school of movies should be shorter, right. not longer. So he's definitely, that's, that's where Harvey and I, I think agreements hopefully end um, on Hope, things. Yeah, probably. Yes. Uh, but no, but Harvey Weinstein, like we always say, he's a terrible person, but a great movie producer. Yeah. And um, he wanted to cut stuff, including the first thing they wanted to cut was the animation scene in this movie. That was the first thing they wanted to cut. Which, which I actually I, really like. I know you probably aren't into it, but I really like it. I I, th- I love it's, the artistic statement of doing that, of showing her backstory that way. Yeah, I guess I don't mind that. I really there's one there's one t- sign where I, time where I don't really mind necessarily a cartoon like that didn't anger me. It it cut not angered me, but it was just kind of annoyed me a little bit. Like this didn't even need to be here. We don't really we don't need her backstory. Cares? It's not really relevant. And I know like the whole point of this movie is like little distractions, like little bit like oh, all so over the you, place. You're driving on a road. And you kind of drive through a cul-de-sac and, yeah. you, and you go back in your road, you go back and you go into a different cul-de-sac. So it's all these little, ter- I get it. He's I giving you a full world to explore. Kind of, but you're, you're not really exploring it though. You're being like, 
it's a movie, so you don't really explore. Well, you you know kind of I mean, being pushed in a direction. You're pushed into like a hall. You're in a hallway. You get pushed into a room. You're pushed out of the room, back in the hallway. You push, you know, so you're kind of getting pushed around, which is fine. That's what a movie is. You know, yeah. but that, you, you know, you're not really exploring though. I don't. Okay. I see it in a different way. Yeah. I still see it as like, yeah, but you're still taking in stimulus. You're still it's like true. thinking about it. You're, you're coming up with stuff later on. It's not just, isn't that much stuff later on though with this? Well, I don't, I just think any type of art like this is a communication. It's the person saying something and it's the person listening to it. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation. So I don't, I don't just see it as like being, I don't know, carted around like that because it's also about interpretation of the person who's watching it. But oh, you're right. Of course. But maybe less less so with this one than his other movies. It doesn't make you think as much no. as his other movies do. This of is the not. worst. So this is, so remember I talked about directing yeah. with him and I'm like, oh, I don't think Reservoir Dogs is a well-directed film. I stand yeah. by that. I, I don't think Pulp Fiction is a, is a great, is, is directed in a great manner. I yeah. stand by that as well. This is brilliantly directed. Oh, it's an awesome directing job. Yeah. This script is not very good it's so st- there's just not a lot of depth to it which is strange because his scripts are amazing yeah well there's not a lot of dialogue not a lot of depth we don't there's no, no- so i think maybe maybe he's just trying to develop the characters instead of developing developing the characters with because okay because people aren't in, really interacting they're killing each other so there's no way to to like to have a character grow, they just sort of exist. So maybe that's why all the visuals, why the backstory oh, and yeah. all the other stuff, so that we can get a, a sense of them that you, but you're not so going to get. it's so much expository. It's so it much is. like Uma Thurman's like the narration. It's all these like cheats. So it's like all these things to kind of like, cause you can't, it's not being told to you. It's not being shown to you. It's being told to you. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it, it's very limiting in that way. I see that. Um, so to have a four-hour thing where there's no story, it's a lot of expository stuff. It's brilliantly crafted. It's beautiful yeah. to watch. Beautiful to watch. Great. Uh, the sound, the score, the soundtrack is amazing. Yep. Um, his use of the sets are incredible. <sighs> yeah. Um, so there's so many things he's doing that's a master at work. But like at the end of the day, like a four-hour revenge movie in one sitting would, would be a lot. It would be a lot. No one would I agree. see it. So um, they cut it in half. So I feel like scenes with the Sonny Chibas back to that in the restaurant. I almost feel like that's still in there because like, well, we have to have two movies now. Okay. So we did, we need enough time. Right. We need. Enough. So now we got to have a fucking cartoon for 20 minutes about a character that we don't really, isn't really that important to the story. It's important only because our character is going to kill that person. It's not really. And you know, the person's dead. Yeah. And I see, that's the thing with the time thing with this. I, uh, I mean, I, right, because you see her second. You see her second, but she's the first to die. I don't mind doing flashbacks to the wedding getting destroyed. Sure, um, and everyone dying there. But so, why not go linear? But from why not go linear from there? Like pre- if you want to call it like present time, why do we why give away that we already know that? I guess maybe because so I say why give away that Oren is dead? I guess because maybe we just know that. Um, it's Beatrix Kiddo is the character. I'm just yeah. going to call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know to say the yeah. second one, but. It doesn't matter. Um, why not know that Beatrix is going to kill? Um, oh, like what? I guess maybe we were we are so assumed because of movie our movie lives that we know that she's going to live. Plus, it's volume one and two, so we just know that she's going to live. live. Right? But he made those choices before they knew there were two movies. He did. So I just don't understand why do we why did why do that? So then why then how come you're not busting him for his directing then? Because that's a directing that's a directing. Yeah, it's job. not great. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, that's a script thing. I think actually, it's not directing. It's a script thing. But the, really? Yeah. I mean, that's a script says that. The yeah, you're right. Says in this yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's not a direct. But what? But st- 
Yeah, but would it have mattered if he moved if he moved it around? I don't I think okay. it would have been more enjoyable. It would have it would have added a bit more intrigue and suspense. It would have made the backstory about like Oren like more interesting because we don't know she's already dead. Yeah. I know why. It's because he wanted a forty minute fight scene. And so you couldn't do that in the beginning of the movie because then it because because then the the scene with Vivica Fox is yeah, done, right. is, is five minutes. It's you're done. Right. Yeah, I looked at the clock. It was one fifteen in when yeah. when she steps into that um it, into the restaurant it, into that restaurant. Bar, yeah, it's it is forty minutes of that, which is beautiful. Like it's amazing. But yeah, you couldn't you couldn't lead off. It that. is. It is. I, I you get bored halfway through with the killing of the guys. I'm halfway through. I'm like, all right, we get it. She kills eighty eight guys. Um, at some I, point, I'm like, all right. I love the choreography. So it's brilliant. No. Yeah. I, but I also think, I mean, yeah, now I've seen this movie, like I've seen this movie probably five times at this point. So maybe yeah, a little bit more. This, this is only time. my third go around with it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I saw it like a bunch when it came out. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, 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 and I sound like I'm knocking it. I don't mean to be. It's, it's okay. It's, it's good. I give this like a B plus. I would give this is so first half, mm. first half only. Use your imagination. Pretend you don't know. Or talk, think about how you felt when you saw the first, you know, kind of thing, too. I Probably B+. Plus. All right. Yeah. So I mean, not, I give the whole... So yeah. we're not calling this... We're not calling this great. What we've seen so far, we're not calling great. It's not great. No. No. It still B+, plus is very good. Very good. Very good. Now, we, we've kicked the shit out of this movie, though. Yeah. So another thing is funny <laughs> how it works with, uh, with memory. So this movie... When you watch it in real time, it's more aggravating than looking back on it. So when I'm watching it in real time, um, I'm frustrated at times with the Sunny Chiba restaurant scene. For instance, I know I keep going back to that, but it's annoying. The sword thing, the, the cartoon part. Like some of it's like, all right, like it's just kind of it's annoying. It just drags, right? Yeah, it just drags. But then when I'm further away from the movie, like even a day later today, I'm still thinking, you know, thinking yeah. about it for the show. And my mind didn't go to those negative spots. It went to like the highlights of the film. Yeah. And I thought about it. I'm like, oh man, when I think back to Kill Bill, you know, before I, we did this rewatch now, like say like a week ago, if you asked me about Kill Bill, my mind, actually I forgot about the Sonny Chiba stuff. Yep. My mind goes to the, the fight scenes, the, the great snow fight scene. Yes. I love the, oh, the Vivica uh, Fox fight the scene. House the, scene. Uh, the, how this movie starts is gangbusters. It's awesome. Um, so I, I think back to, I think back to some of the music that was used yep. or some of the, just the great visuals. Yes. Um, so like, you know, like uh, when they're in the restaurant and uh, Sophie goes to the bathroom, just like watching her, tracking her through yeah, that yes. whole like one shot thing. Yeah. I don't know if it is all one shot. He might have done it in two, but the way it's framed, it, it looks, looks like, like one. It. Yep. Um, and it's just, I'm like, that's what I think about. I honestly don't even think about the, the slower parts at all. No. So like this movie plays better in nostalgia in than in real time. I can see that. That makes sense. But but of course, your your mind isn't going to go back to the time when you were bored. You just got through it. You're going to think about the exciting times, the things that piqued and your that's, attention. And that's what our life is like. If yeah. you think back, like I don't like for this show we do a lot of like reminiscing and stuff and um where were you at this time and like it's funny to have to like really think about it because when you kind of just think back at your childhood or at least for me, I don't know other people but when I think back to moments, most of the stuff I remember or think about are the good times. Of course. You know, obviously you think about terrible things, you know, obviously, you know, whatever the, the horrible things in your life are at times for sure. But most of the time when you're kind of just thinking about a period of time, you're thinking most about the good. So you don't certainly don't think about the boring things. No, because you know, why would you? No. They just kind of float away. Right. And that's kind of how it is with this movie. This movie plays a lot like like that for me, just because the high points are so high and so strikingly visual yes. and so instantly memorable that you hold on to them more than, say, a tr- traditional movie. Plus, there's no plot. So you're holding on to them in a more... I think in a in a different way than a typical I think movie right. is. Yeah, yeah. Because there's not, no story to tie it all together. Yeah, you're not necessarily remembering the feel like the. Yeah, it's not an emotional movie like that. It's an exciting movie. 
It's crazy this movie is four hours because there's no movie easier to cut than this one. Because there's no story. Right. So there's no easier movie to slice and dice and just get rid of stuff than this movie. Yet, this is one of the longest movies. This is longer than Gone with the Wind. I'm wondering if he is still a new enough director at this point that he wasn't confident enough just going action scene to action scene, action scene to action scene. Because that's what it would have been if you would have cut out all that mid stuff. It would have just, you know, you would have. I trim these action scenes down. I know that's going to be sacrilegious to well, some people, but. Um, okay, so the house scene isn't the, with Vivica Fo- A. Fox. No, it's I, not, I, that's not a big long. one. That's yeah, that's perfect. perfect. But the, right, so maybe the restaurant one. But in even the other ones in, in the second part, I remember they're not that long either. You have the you have the one in the um, in the in the single wide. I feel like this is a conversation. Well, I don't want to get into the second. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a converse. This is a movie that um, is by a director that's overconfident. That, that it's overconfident. See, yeah. I think he's stretching because he's never done a movie like this before. No, this I feel like action, he's stretching he's because film. he's making a fucking four hour fucking movie. Who, who, yeah. like, who is this guy to do that? <laughs> and you think about it too. And this is why I think he makes Grindhouse. So he makes, let's go through his quick uh, early part of his career. He, you know, just his directing part. Yeah. Yeah. He does Reservoir Dogs. Right. Art house favorite does not make a lot of money, but puts him in a stratosphere where he's able to then finance and make Pulp Fiction. Right. Which becomes a huge sensation. Doesn't win best picture. He gets nominated for director. Yep. Gets nominated for best picture and he wins best screenplay. Yep. Instant star. Yep. Does Jackie Brown. Def- we love that movie, but it's a pullback, but it's a pullback. Yeah. Doesn't make the same money. Doesn't have the same like it factor to it. And it only, it doesn't get him. It only gets uh, it doesn't get nominated for a screenplay. It only no, gets uh, uh, Forster, right? So like definitely a step back, right? Uh, so then he makes this, which is incredibly big and flashy, uh, and I feel like he's like really flexing like crazy here. And then this doesn't work really. I mean, award wise, I shouldn't say it. No, it doesn't. He this, gets no nominations for no this, nominations which I think is this. actually crazy. I think this is crazy. Only Darman to get nomination. It's, yes. And the I mean, cinematography is amazing. Yes. Yeah, right. So it's almost like there was like a pullback from the Academy with this. And also this movie just isn't, there's no plot. No, there's no plot. Like, yeah, the screenplay is not going to get nominated. Right. But even right. as a movie itself, though, if you're an Academy voter and you sit down and watch this, it's like a fucking, it's like a video game. Like it's not, there's no it plot. Right. Like that's, that's, that can be like a real problem for some voters. And then he does volume two and that like that lands. I mean, I remember when these came out, like I don't want to talk too much about it, but like they landed even like softer and it's yeah. like, all right. So then, so I wonder if he, at some point he's like, you know what? If I'm just a fucking dirt dog director, then I'm just going to make a fucking dirt dog movie like Grindhouse and say, fuck it. Maybe I, I saw it more as like he, he was trying different styles. He's like, you know, you think you look at what Pulp Fiction was and then Jackie Brown, whole different style, yes. like whole different genre. And then he does another whole different genre. It just seemed like he was, I want to like perfect this style of uh, directing. I, I wonder if there's a combo there. Could be. Um, so no one ever, so a knock on Jackie Brown, which we, we did in the, on the Patreon show, we both love it. Love it. Um, knock on that movie is too long. I completely disagree. I think every scene in Jackie Brown makes sense, but that is a knock on the movie when it came out and still kind of is a little bit. Sure. Not as bad as it was, but yep. when it came out. Yep. I don't remember, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't remember people saying this movie's too long. No, and I never thought that either. Going into it, watching it this time, I was like, oh, two hours, less than two hours. This is Right. This isn't going to be too long. But you're right. Some of those scenes drag. And I, it's just crazy that how, you know, this is basically a four-hour movie, you know, but like, you know, you're only watching yeah. the first half. It's two hours and really not a lot happens. And it's just like, it's funny how like one, I wonder if it's because it's so much more action. I wonder if people just like forgive the length of movies because of action. Because of all the action. Yeah, I think so. Because it's so stimulating. And, and, and at some point though, you, I just became numb to it though. 
I could see that now. Do you think you were numb to it at the time though? But there wasn't much was. like this. There wasn't much like this. No, I, I, I don't mean like that. Like I was numb to the style. It just at some point, like you can only see some people die before the deaths don't really mean a lot. It looks like a dance to me. Looks like this big choreographed. It is, like, and move. it is, and it's a shot like that. Yeah, and that. So that's the way. I, there's. There are a few, so this I've mentioned this before, but the Jackie Chan film Rumble in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. There's probably a 15, 20 minute um, choreographed fight scene that's one of the most impeccable things. It, it, it looks to that I have when I see art like that or excellence. It doesn't. It, it didn't didn't make me numb. It's just excellent in this form. Yes, there are a lot of deaths. Whatever you see, a lot of blood, but it's more like the the dance. The choreography is just out of this world. So good. It's great. I also love just the production design. Yeah. So like you know the movie ends with them in some. Why is it snowing there? Who knows? Doesn't really. It doesn't really matter because it's beautiful and it's it's, beautiful. it's just great to watch. And, and the, the color u- shifts and the use of sound and color and Ugh. it's just really it's just interesting to watch. Um, so it's hard to critique a movie like that though if nothing really makes sense. But then again, it's not really supposed to because there's no plot. But it's enjoyable to watch. So okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Which character do you like better, uh, the Lucy Liu character or the Vivica a. Fox character? Lucy Liu. I disagree. I like the Vivica a. Fox really? character. I wish we had seen more of her. I would have taken. I would have happily seen. And I, I know people are going to, I would have rather seen 20 more minutes of her domestic life. Really? Yeah. Just to see like, I would have rather seen her backstory or her story of how like this hit person becomes like a suburban mom. than Oren becoming powerful by chopping some guy's head off in some b- weird board meeting. Like that is, that's just so removed from anything that seems, it's just so silly to yeah. me and kind of, and kind of stupid. And the VK Fox have seemed really actually down, grounded, as grounded as you can be in this movie and interesting to me. But if you're going to commit to that being the big fight scene, you have to make her the bigger well, boss. Well, you could flip it around. It's right order anyway. Well, yeah. So you would have had to make the Vivica a Fox fight scene a lot longer. That's the thing. It's like you, you, the big boss, the bigger boss in the film has to be the longer fight scene. I, I guess. So then what can you do in a house I guess versus right. what can I you do in right. a restaurant? Yeah. You know, with all these people right. and all that stuff. And she's dearly alone because she's she's got yeah. that industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. The only gunshot in this movie is Vivica Fox. The kaboom. Which is um, <laughs> which would have had a better payoff at the end of the movie. I think so. Because you would have been shocked to see a gun. I was shocked that she didn't kill Uma Thurman. Like, how did she miss? She did. She's a serial boss. She's I, trying to move quick. Maybe rattles, probably, maybe hadn't shot in a while. Maybe that's a huge mistake from her, though. Oh yeah, huge. But, it didn't but, work out too well for everybody. Knife in the um, chest. I like that. I would have liked to see more of that character. Um, but, I did like um, that fight scene though. Uh, all in all, uh, I I do like this movie. I know I'm kind of knocking around a little bit. It's tough to talk about without having seen the second one. Um, well, you know, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it for the show. Um, but I'm kind of ready to kind of put a pin in it there, and we talk about it more on 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 Wednesday if you want. Unless you have something else you want to talk about specifically. <sighs> We'll talk more about the Oscars on the on the Patreon show, the Austin Translation, because that that's up for a lot of stuff. Sure, I mean, this, I'm not going to talk. Just nothing got nominated. I, I mean, guess uh, maybe the only other thing that I want to say is so Uma Thur- Thurman gets hurt um, driving. I think the Maserati. In the no, in this one. No, she it's to go see kill. It's to go see Bill. Oh, I thought it was to go uh, to see Oren. No, no, All right, we'll talk about Bill. it then, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. It was near uh, the end of shooting. Yeah, I thought it was in this one. Nope. because they shot this in sequence. I feel like we're selling this motherfucker short though. I feel like because we're we probably are. I'm guessing we'll probably talk about it more I know, on I Wednesday. Know, I know, I know. It's just going to be easier for us to discuss. There's there's no you're right. Like, what is the right way to do this here? Should we have just done them all? Like, I, I I don't know. Maybe. I mean, like I said this is in theory. This is how people felt at the time. And that's another reason maybe it doesn't get a lot of award love in the first half was because there's just not a lot. You know, 
almost by design you're only sure. seeing half a movie so you're kind of left like all right you know it doesn't have that same feeling of like greatness as it does yeah you know seeing the conclusion of, of a film so um but then again like the hobbit films were all like that too i was trying to think of the same thing do you think it didn't get any love because it's only half the movie but but you know the three hobbit movies and then, and what actually one of them was nominated i think for something maybe one Lord of the ranks oh one of the one, one, of the, one of the, one. the last one won last one won all right so those all got love i think they won this it won this year right so those all got love even though they weren't complete right. stories until the end but yes. this one didn't get any love Correct. as a half so i don't i don't know i don't know yeah i know i mean that's that's yeah i i i I remember people liked this movie a lot when it came out. I, I liked remember, it a lot. I don't remember people like it didn't have like a lot of acclaim or like huge love. It got like a lot of like, which Ebert, I guess is where we're doing it. Ebert loved this film. Ebert loved it. Yeah. Yeah. He liked it. He gave three and a half stars, right? Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. That's right. I read that review. Yeah. But it was kind of an odd review though. Yeah. It was very long. It was long. It Strange long. review. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was a very long one by him. I think he just really liked the style. I, I think he gave a lot of points. And the style. style is incredible. Like yeah. I said, this is brilliantly directed. This yeah. is this is a masterwork in directing. It just, I can't believe I'm saying this, but for a Quentin Tarantino move, like his script wasn't there, which is crazy because usually it's the best part of his movies are the scripts. Right. Usually it's the other way around maybe. Or in the earlier films, it was the right. other way around. Like the I, script so, was there. And I'm more of a script guy. Yeah. So I, I like Reservoir Dogs more than this movie because I like a good script more than great style. Yeah. And, um, but that's, uh, no, that's, that's me. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we can move on. Yeah. Where'd this go? Because motherfucker. I hear it. Oh. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's all right. I'll cut this little section out. Hold okay. on. All right, our first foray into John Mayer. Uh, this is his second album, yes. uh, Heavier Things. Um, John Mayer, as a performer, has won seven Grammys, sold 17 million records. Pretty famous. His first, uh, first, so his first album came out pretty pretty close to after he left Berklee School of Music. He was, I think, he was 18 or 19 years. That that is the typical thing. You go to Berkeley. A lot of people don't graduate. They go to Berkeley, like kind of refine their skill set, meet some people, and then go out into the world and do their thing. It's what Steve Vai did before joining uh, Zappa's band. We talked about him, guitarist. Yep. And that's what John Mayer did too. So his first, you know, his, I remember the first song that came out, um, uh, this, the high school one. Yeah. Back to, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, for, no, uh, Room for squares, which, for is, squares, which is the album that I, that I had of his. Did you have it? Yeah. So I listened to that album a lot. I don't love it. I just listened to it a lot. That, that song, no such thing. Yeah. No such but, thing. Uh, Your body's a wonderland is, is, is on that album too. Um, yeah, it is. Yes, I uh, fucking hate that song. Uh, so um, yeah, this, that, that was like, but put them in the map. Those yeah. two songs, Neon from that album is yeah. really good. That's my favorite John Mayer yeah. song. Um, okay, he is. It's one of those situations where he's a, extremely talented. Yeah, um, he's a very good guitar. He's not. He's borderline excellent guitar player. He's very. He gets, he gets talented. a lot of high raising people. People really love his guitar work. He's he's quite good. Quite good. Um, not top tier, but very close. Uh, and. He's also, um, he's a good songwriter 
and he's also very good at recording. His his albums are pristine, and he does a lot of the work himself. Mm. So, like he'll, you know, uh, this album, I think he was he recorded most of it in his apartment in New York. Um, he's just he's really talented in that way. But I don't particularly like him. Um, I think he's one of the douchiest mother like fucking uh, musicians. Uh, his songs are very douchey and he's hard. He's a lot of times hard to deal with. So, uh, you know, in one way I can really respect him and respect his craft, but in another way it's, he's hard to listen to. Like if, you know, a good example is this is the douchiest song. It's like lecturing us. I know. Not only that, I mean, it's creepy. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst line. Girls become girls become lovers. Yeah, your, your daughter. I'm talking to you about your daughter. Your daughter is going to become a lover that's going to turn into a mother. That is like one of the war. That is the one of the creepiest things I've ever heard in any song. And I that song like won a Grammy. I can't. I don't. I don't know how people can listen to that song and not get. And that's off this album too. Disgusted. Yeah. 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 I, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, I see. You said he's a good songwriter. I, I don't think he is. I think he's. He, he is good. He's, he reminds me of someone who like wants to be a human being. Like his songs have no personality. No. And they're written like someone who wants to be human, like like an alien, like yep. I'm on this earth, I'm gonna try to write a song that sounds like what a human would say. Yes. And you come up with something like the daughter thing, and you're like, that's not <laughs> really what people say, actually. No. Um but like I just feel like he is trying so hard to like I don't say fit in, but trying so hard to just like assimilate with humanity and he my like I I had that first album a lot. I listened to a lot in college. Yeah. The girls liked it, you know, and you know, it just kind of had it on. But um, it, but it, it's just just nothing there. Is that once you go through a couple of times, you're like, there's not a lot here. I, no, it's not for me. I don't. I think it might be. I don't know. I, I I can't connect to this guy. Okay, I think you're right with uh, yeah, the guy trying to trying to relate and try you know trying to be a human to other human humans. Being. Yeah. So what? His craft is good. Like he's, yeah. he's, his craft is good. He can, he can put stuff together really well. He can make things sound good. He's a good technician on his guitar, on his guitar. Not a lot of emotion and could be, I mean, he's had a lot of, um, he's had, yeah, like a lot of, uh, mental health issues throughout his life. He's on anxiety medication. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a certain amount of like him not quite being all there all the time. That's, that's affecting the way that he writes. Maybe he felt a lot of disconnection as a as a kid growing up. He's really smart. He's really smart. I think sometimes he overthinks things. Could be. Uh, he had a very uh, <laughs> terrible interview uh, where he dropped the N word. He said his like. Oh, I didn't even know about this. Y- yeah, he basically said like uh, he was only attracted to white women. He said his like his dick was only attracted to white women. What the it's fuck? It's really like weird stuff to say, um, and. Um, he was just some odd, some odd things. And after that happened, he really pulled back from, he's, he like took a real step back from fame and stuff. Yeah. He started doing a lot of stuff with the Grateful Dead. Oh yeah. That's and, right. um, he joined like the dead and company and they, yep. kinda, they, he just basically like fronts this, the Grateful Dead now. And he kind of does like stuff. I think it's more fun for him. And he took, like I said, he really kind of, he stopped becoming front. He, he took, he's, you know, he, for years he dated all these celebrities. Like the milk deadly joke was talking about like, I mean, you know, Taylor Swift, Katy yep. Perry, Jennifer Aniston famously, you know, around this time. Like, right. And he's a good looking guy. Yeah. Women seem to really like him. And um, he, uh, 
he took a real, real step. And he seems a lot like just from interviews that I've seen lately, he seems a little bit, ha- a lot happier now. Oh, good. Like, I don't think this much fame, like you said, he comes right out of Berkeley, becomes instantly famous. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first album sold like, sold like 4 million copies. It was pretty and big. He follows up with this one. Yeah. Right. Which is a pretty big hit it too. Is, yeah. And it's just like, I think it was just too much. And he started doing and acting and saying some weird stuff. Like he bought $5 million in Rolexes and then sued the guy that sold them to him. What? Saying they were like, not, they had faulty parts. And then he rescinded the lawsuit and said, no, they didn't have faulty parts. It's like weird, like stuff like that. I'm not saying that, you know, if it was just that one story, you'd be like, all right. But like, there's a lot of just like, you know, the weird interviews, the weird connections with people. Like, yeah. A, and you said like, this is maybe some mental health, health stuff. This is some weird behavior with him. Was he ever been married to, uh, you know, you're right. He did. He's, he's pursued and, and gotten a lot of celebrity yeah. girlfriends, but none of them seem to, to, that, to stay. I mean, that's like a human, that's like someone trying to be a human too. Like trying yeah. to find like right. the superficial love with like someone who's like, Oh, that person equals pretty has status and is pretty. Yes. Yeah. I will then, you know, but as opposed to like, well, you probably want to get someone you want to sell down with a little bit more, but yeah. like, you know, yeah, I agree. Um, so he did, he has, he has done some, like, he has been important in terms of recording technique. Okay. He has done some cool stuff. Um, I did want to talk just like a couple more things about this song. So here's the acoustic part of what his guitar sounds like on this. So that's what he's playing. I actually really like that. It's nice. And it's a hard picking part too. It's a really like staggered picking move. And I, that's this song. Yeah, that's it. That's because you because know, he hides it. He uses this cool um, effect. Actually, I really like the effect. It's this Lind sampler. Lind, um, what's a guy's name? Like Bill Lind or something? Paul made, Lind. Paul. It's no, no, Paul. no, no, no. That's no. A, that's not. He um <laughs> he made one of the first samplers. Uh, Prince used the Lind sampler uh, system to do like all his drums and stuff. Like okay. for night uh, nineteen ninety nine or yeah. And uh, Purple Rain, that's all like Lynn stuff. So he made, uh, maybe it's Roger Lynn, created this guitar effect system, which is this envelope filter that um, that John Mayer is using on the song. So he takes that like that acoustic line that you just heard and it turns it into this. So what he's doing is... I, I, you know, like, I know what you're saying. It's cool, it's though. It's interesting no. to make yeah, that into this. I it's hear, I understand very interesting. Saying, yeah, because you're playing that part, and then he's using this this pedal system to like sweep in this envelope filter that creates all that that funky yeah. noise, which is neat. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say about the song, I'll get into another recording technique is is uh, in a second, but is Matt Chamberlain's playing drums on this, who you may know from Pearl Jam, but also. This is a great song. This is one of the best drum performances ever. Incredible. That's Matt Chamberlain. Same guy. This is this is one of my favorite Conan I love the song. So good. That When the Pawn album it's great. is her best album. Yeah. It's really the good. The album that she put out this year is great. If you're looking Don't for a good new album, really good, really good stuff from her. Um, that, that song, Fast As You Can, like I said, the drums are amazing. It's, it's just a great, one of my favorite songs of that decade for sure. Cool. Yeah, I love that song. Matt Chamberlain was the original uh, drummer for Pearl Jam, but then he's done a bunch of other stuff, including yeah, that Fiona, yeah. uh, Fiona Apple and also uh, on this album as well. But so the other thing that I... Do I have the no such thing? Yeah. Um, so you're all, when you're mixing an album, you're always struggling with making clarity for all the, instrument, all, all the instruments on a song. And so that's what mixing is all about. It's like, okay, you got a piano here, you got a guitar player, guitar here, you got drums here, you got a bass here. You need to, it doesn't make 
any sonic sense if you can't hear every single individual thing. Like, why have it there if it's all this muddy, murky shit? So a lot of times it's about um, fitting it into its sonic spectrum. So like uh, like the, you know, um, the range of, of EQ. It's like, what frequencies do we want the bass to live in and only live in? Because if it goes outside of that, it's going to start to affect the other parts that are being played. And vocals are the are one of the trickiest um, because vocals are kind of a big sonic, you know, so has a has kind of a big sonic range. Okay, and um, the other instruments, so like piano and guitar, live in that same range. And you want you need to have your vocals come like cut through because people want to people want to hear it and relate to it and hear the words. So there's always this heart like difficulty, like how do you get the vocals to really pop out there? but still have the other instruments that are living in the same spectrum be heard as well. So um, John Mayer kind of, I don't, maybe this was happening before him, but he's the one that I really first heard do this to pop his vocals out. He has, whenever he sings his main vocal line, he has a second one mixed in right on top of it. That's a whisper track. Oh, all right. So that, so he's singing. Yeah. So that you can hear all the diction and all the semblance of all the words and it cuts through everything. And now I hear it on everything. They people do it like they they mix it in a lot better than they did back in his his day when he was first doing uh you know these albums in the early 2000s. But but that's what's happening all the time. You you you're now you're you're doing a composite vocal a lot of times where you're having the main vocal line and then you're having another like whisper track over it. So you can, you get that, you get that semblance on there. So you get the diction, you know, really front and center. So the people get, so it pops, pops out. And on no such thing, you can really hear it. Yeah. I can't, I'm here. You listen to that entire album, every single song on that. And, and in this album too, you, you know, now, now that you're aware of it, you'll probably go back. If you ever listen to it, you'll hear that whisper track all the way through it. But that's that's like a that's a pretty smart um engineering move to make to put that on there to like to you know to counteract that battle that you're having with the piano or the guitar because his guitar is his guitar in particular is so important to his sound because he's a guitar player. Like he, you know he's not just a singer songwriter. He's he's proud of how much he plays the guitar. He needs that yes, he needs that right. in there, right? So how do you like make sure that his voice can stick out too and that was a that was the way that he figured out to do it, and pretty smart. John Mayer is uh, the JD Drew of, and I like JD Drew, but the JD Drew of the music world. Someone who has all the talent, all the tools, but when you just put together, it just doesn't doesn't quite get there to greatness. And I love JD Drew, I'm a JD Drew apologist, but it's just he just I buy never, that. Never, JD Drew should have been much better, right? He should. He John Mayer should have been better. He, they both have the five tools, basically. And yeah, can do it all, but, yeah. but yet for some reason, but can't do anything great. Although I guess Mayer can play the guitar great. And JD Drew in theory has JD like, Drew is a, pr- but he was never great. At, he was very good at everything. I guess. wasn't great at anything. I guess. And then he had some personality stuff that, uh, you know, people say maybe he should have played hurt more and that kind of thing. And just, you want, you know, you're wondering about like his, it's weird. Yeah. Where, are you wondering when you watch JD do play, you sometimes you like watch him like kind of like, you know, be kind of lazy about five balls. Sort of. And you'd wonder watching him, you're like, what is this guy thinking? And sometimes when you watch John Mayer, especially in the first, you know, we're talking this time, yeah. you'd watch him with all these women and just kind of this, and you go, what is this guy thinking? Yeah. But Drew never mailed it in enough where you're like, oh, we're going to send this guy down to AAA. It wasn't well, ever well, he like that. Down, he's too good. I mean, he's just too talented. It wasn't ever like that, but you knew he had like an extra gear that sometimes you'd see it and it'd be like, yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. Right. Same thing with 
Mayor, sometimes he'll do something on a guitar, right. and you're like, holy you're like, wow, fuck. This guy can do it all. And yeah. But then most of the time, never... you're like, ah, this guy just, just, doesn't, yeah. just doesn't have it all there. Um, the video is weird, too. you watch the video? It's, uh, it's uh, him playing yes, by... He's in like, the street by himself. Yeah, and people, people just like walking by him. Yeah. He looks very alone. And finally, a girl pays notice to him. They don't speak. And then everyone's kind of walking to this, like, it's horribly CGI'd, like, wall of speakers. Mm. And, um, and, but he's alone, and, like, he's not connecting with anybody. Yeah. Like, oh, that's kind of a weird... It's a weird video. It's a it's a video of someone who must and I obviously the director is the one that directs the video. I get it. And it's, it's probably their vision. But you wonder though if he, if he was attracted to that vision because he felt very, feels very alone. This his whole thing seems like a guy is very alone. He does seem very alone. Very yeah. lonely with him. That's the first thing I think when I like hear him and see him. He had older parents too. I wonder if that mattered. Like his dad was uh, 40 or 50 when uh when he was born. Mom was four uh mom was I think maybe 40 something like that. Really? I wonder if yeah, I wonder if yeah. there was enough of a gap. Although he did have he's got siblings. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He just seems like a guy that's at least back then adrift, but maybe now he's a bit more centered, but he still seems kind of alone. But I don't know. Maybe. Uh, that's it with John Mayer. Okay. All right. Strap in kids. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. Motherfucker. Um, motherfucker. What's that now? I just said motherfucker. Yes. Motherfucker. Right. Uh, yeah. Sit back, relax and enjoy the dulcet squeaky sounds of my voice. <laughs> um, so we're in October of 2003 this story actually happened a little bit after this week. So, uh, in fact, I'll tell you exactly when the story happened. This is, you know, the week we're in is right around when the Yankees started playing the Red Sox in uh, 2003. Yup. Okay, so this story takes place um, the week, well, I think uh, it was game, that last game with uh, Boone, was that, I want to say it was a Sunday, maybe I'm wrong, whatever. The following week, the week after the Boone home run is when this story begins. So we're yeah. in late October. Uh, and I, this is uh, after Monkey Boy. Remember I told the story of Monkey Boy, how yep. Monkey Boy hurt his knee. So that season ended in August. So between August and now I'm working, I'm living in Saugus, Massachusetts, uh, home of Jared Carabas. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's where my grandparents uh, lived. And they let me, uh, after college, it's where I was living. Uh, they had a basement apartment. They let me go there rent free, which is incredibly generous. That is generous. Um, they could not have been greater people. Um, I love my grandparents. I'll tell their stories. Hopefully, uh, eventually as we go down the line here, but, um, so uh, I'm living, uh, I'm living there. Um, uh, I'm working just temp jobs. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm gradu- I have graduated college, and you know, I'm only I graduated in uh, December of '02, so I'm I'm pretty, you know, I'm fairly new graduate. Yeah, you know, close enough after 9/11 to be like people really aren't hiring and a ton. The economy is still kind of fucked, and um, I'm just kind of looking for anything I can do, any any job, and I'll go through those jobs if we hit kind of September or. Uh, uh, earlier October, other parts of, of, of that, uh, of that time period there. But this story takes place. I'm working this temp, uh, working for an agency in Boston. And they said, we have a job for you. I said, I'm, I'm all in. And this pays more than $20 an hour, which for me at the time, at the time was a lot of a money college grad. Absolutely. A lot. Uh, I think it was like $21 an hour, which, which was, you might've well had said a thousand dollars an hour. Sure. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. holy shit, right. I'll do anything. You know, what horrible deviant thing do I have to do to get that money? And they're like, well, all you have to do is, uh, so there is a, a lawyer office that is in the process of moving. You're not going to move really heavy stuff. It's not like furniture, but it's a lot of files and things like that. Yeah. You need some help with it. They're right. They're located right across the street from South Station in Boston. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so basically the T is easy. You just jump on the, the blue, blue line. Uh, I pick it up in Revere and then you take it and uh, you go to South Station and it goes on the red line. Not that bad. Convenient enough travel. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a nine to five. Perfect. Monday through Friday. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you, they want you to dress in like business, like business casual though. So wear khakis, collared shirt to move. That's what I said, but that's what they want. Okay. Cause they're like, Hey, we have, they have clients coming in. They just want a professional look. 
uh, throughout. Okay. Sure. Anything else that you know? Nope. Just show up right on time. Don't be late. They're, they're pretty punctual people and just get there. No problem. So I got there about a half hour early. I check in. They put me, they put me in like, almost, uh, like a large room, almost like a, like a, like a pen, if you will. Um, I say a large room. It really wasn't that large. It was, um, how what do you big, mean by a pen? Was it, you had drywall walls. It was a okay. room that was like to the side. So like you had to, so you walk into this and they had, this lawyer's office had, I would say four, I would say four floors of this building. Oh, it was very huge. Large building. Yeah, this wasn't, this was not a small thing. Okay, all right. And I didn't know that going in. I'm like, oh, I don't know what it is. I, yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I'm fucking, plus I'm an idiot. I'm fucking 23. I well, don't it's know not like you had the internet to look it up. Yeah, you had the internet. I tried to look it right, but it was nothing yeah. right. It doesn't even tell you that. So I, uh, so there's like four floors. It's a giant place. And uh, they put me behind, it was this room behind the secretary's office, but it was a, it was a, I say it's a, a large room. It's a large room if you're in there by yourself. It would probably be, um, I don't know, maybe, you know, 12 by, by eight, 12 feet by eight foot. Nah, that's that not big? That, yeah. I don't know. I'm terrible with spatial yeah. stuff. A big room, um, but not huge. Uh, probably in a room to comfortably have 10 to 12 people in there. Okay. Probably a little bit bigger than that, but that's fine. That's no okay. problem. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the room starts to fill up okay. with all guys like in their 20s. All, all in khakis. It, what's that? All in khakis. All in khakis, all in collared shirts, all like kind of out of place in it. Like yeah. you can tell they're not really just like me. It wasn't really comfortable doing something like that. Uh, eventually there's like 45 guys in there. There's no instructions. They just put us in this room. And we're in there for like three hours. No. Yeah. What? Finally, someone comes in and says, yeah, could I take uh, this one and this one points to two of us and, uh, and they go off. <laughs> Some people are like, fuck this. They go outside smoking cigarettes. Some people are, uh, they go and grab an early lunch. Most of us kind of just hang there. Like, all right, well, they're paying us. We're just, yeah. Hang Eventually they do, uh, the ghost guys come back and says, yeah, they just had us move like one filing cabinet from one floor to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. So we're in there. I don't think I left the room that day. Eventually the secretary came in and said, hey, you guys doing great. <laughs> Wait, so eight hours you were in that room. Oh yeah. And they're like, well, you guys are doing great. Uh, you guys can go break for lunch. Just be back by one. Okay. So we went to the South Station food court, grabbed some lunch, came back by one. We're all in there. Now, by the end of, so Monday is Monday. Okay. Well, and there's nowhere you can sit either. This is, there a, are some chairs, but there's a small, this is a small enough room with 40 people in there. Yes. There are only like eight chairs What the, yes. So the second day we go in there. Now we want the, the room also, I, I want to spend, so the room has a, a wall of windows, uh, that overlook like, a, um, the train yard. Okay. Um, so you have kind of a view, Yeah. but you know, it's like late October, you know, it's just kind of gloomy and weird. Um, so the next day come in and basically everybody showed up again and now like clicks are starting to form. Like, <laughs> right. You have like a lot, you know, it's a bunch of temps and some of these guys are really fucking weird and they're doing weird stuff. Like, you know, uh, like one guy would like, like hum all day, you know, we'd be like, shut the fuck up, you know, like, you know, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then other guys, I mean, these other guys like to gamble. So we're all playing cards. Um, other guys are, um, the smokers all go out and smoke all day. You know, they come back, they stink like smoke, yeah, but then yeah. they'll go back out again like 20 minutes later. I would say that first week I was there, they maybe called me out of the room six times. First week? First and, week. And you move? did you move like one box each time? Yeah, or like, like one thing? I, you go into like a room and uh, they were like, the lawyers had already packed up their files. Yeah. And you take these um, boxes and I moved them like to a different floor. <laughs> In a hallway. <laughs> and that was it. So like, but eventually I kind of start making buddies. Uh, there was, um, there was a guy there that had a Yankee hat on. Yeah. I think his name was Chuck. And, um, he was, he's like, I'm afraid you know, he, he didn't say that later on, but he, so Chuck, Chuck made it to the second week. 
I made it the second week. What do you mean by made it? You mean you were called back for a second? Yeah, what happens is Friday when you get home, I okay. got an email saying you you were invited back for a second week. I'm like, oh, great. I, don't know. I didn't fucking do anything, but great. Come back the next week. Yeah. Half the room is gone. All the weirdos are gone for the most part. The smokers are gone. I remember uh, one guy uh, had come in and he had mustard all over his fucking shirt. <laughs> he must have like, spilled his hot dog or something. The mustard guy gone. Gone. Yeah, like any, like all, and oh, yeah. a couple people like came in like really late. They come in like 10, like you could tell you like just didn't take it seriously. Yeah. Gone. That's kind of awesome, actually. Awesome and weird. Like, how, very weird. How did they know? Yeah. Cameras. Like, how, yeah. How did they, who's watching these? Yeah. What's happening? Oh, yeah. So that second week was a little busier. And then I said, clicks really started to form. So busier um, meaning you moved more stuff. Yes. Okay. Right. So you call still, But still not like anywhere outside the building, just down one level oh, or something. Oh, no, no. You're always in the building. Whenever outside the building. Okay. So like we're just taking these things and moving them to different parts of the building. <laughs> now, like it, it is starting to feel a little bit more like a move, like a place that is moving. Though. Like there's, there's more stuff in the hallways and stuff like that. So it did feel like things were emptying out. Like some rooms Very were. Very slowly at a trickle pace. Okay. But yes, it did start to finally feel like things were kind of moving. All right. So even though there were less of us, we were still doing more work total than the week before if that makes any sense yes it does um so i said clicks just started to form that first week like the weirdos like there was like fights over the chairs and shit like <sighs> shit got weird that first week and some people were like <laughs> were kind of like angry and like kind of like borderline violence so you like kind of stayed away from them and then other guys yeah. so you tried so i talked about this guy chuck chuck was like a heavier guy that had a yankee hat on and his he he's been the second week he's like i'm not wearing this hat in around anymore it's like they're they're letting people go for any random reason the Yankees just won this like really right competitive, like I know. hostile series against the Red Sox. Like I don't want anyone to know I'm a Yankee fan. So the only one were that I remember like when we used to leave at the end of the shift, we'd, we'd go to a subway and he was on a similar subway uh, platform as I was. And then he put the hat back on. <laughs> um, so uh, another guy uh, was in our group. He uh, and uh, there were like, there were like say six of us. Yeah. And I really buddied up with this one guy. Yeah. Um, he was always really sharp dressed uh really good guy i wish yeah so, let's find him let's uh, yeah. go find chuck no chuck this isn't chuck this is a different oh, guy a different guy um there are like six of us that were kind of tight chuck yeah. and another you know there's six of us but me and this other guy really got along really well the third week that guy was gone like my buddy was uh, gone yeah i was so heartbroken any idea why did, oh, it doesn't matter keep going no i don't know i know there was no some of these people you could kind of understand yeah, why they're yeah, gone yeah. other people there's no idea it was like almost seemed rant. it was so bizarre and then you know there was more and more work. And then, uh, after the third week was over, they moved us to a different, uh, room. We were no longer in the large room. They put us once again, a small room. And now maybe by the end of the, by the, like the third, fourth week, there were like, say 12 of us. And they were only, people were only let go after Fridays. Okay. So they would last the week. Right. That's kind of nice of them. Um, yeah, nice. And also terrifying. Cause you, terri- would, like, yeah, yeah. you would like rush home on Friday and like pray you had an email in your right. inbox, but still 150 bucks a day to, Right. Be in this weird situation. It's kind of fun. So when there's 12 of us, one of the partners came to us and, t- and spoke to us. Okay. So you guys are all doing a great job. I want to let you know that one of you uh, will get our, if you're interested, we'll get a mailroom job with us, a second shift mailroom job with us. <laughs> so then now it becomes like competitive. Absolutely. And now we get nasty with each other because we all want, even though none of us, like, like if you'd ask me, like when I walked in there that day, yeah, the ver- day one. Yeah. Would I want a second shift mailroom job at this fucking lawyer's office? Absolutely not. I don't want to work from but now like you've gone through three this. to like midnight. I don't want to do that. You've gone through this whole hero journey. You want this motherfucker. Now you, you I like, I was felt like I was getting like almost like brainwashed. <laughs> yes. Like I, we, we, I said, so one of the guys in our group would walk around in this peacoat. 
that was like two sizes too small, but he wore it because he was poor. Like we were all poor. Yeah. Like, so we all like started like mocking him. We uh-huh. we changed his name to Peacoat. And we also like mocking, like we wear the peacoat. Like if you ever put it down, we we almost put it on, and we run around with it and say we were peacoat. And then like we, and then we started to turn on Chuck for being a Yankee oh. fan. And like we all just like got nasty. With, I remember one time there was an improper Bostonian magazine in in our little room. Yeah. And there was a picture of Amy Poehler on the cover, and it yeah. was like an untouched picture. So she had like her freckles and stuff on yeah. it, but she's still really pretty. And yeah. one of us said, "Oh, she's really pretty." I'm like, "Oh yeah, she's really funny too. She's great." And one of the guys came by and says, "Oh, I don't like her." And then we all like just started screaming him for like a half an hour. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You're an idiot. You're so stupid. Like we, we just like it became like Lord of the Flies. You I did. cannot say enough how much we all devolved. Yeah. Like we were all so scared of losing our job. We were all afraid every day of being late because anyone who was late at all was fired. God can't th- by the end of the week. Yeah. We're afraid of fucking spilling mustard on our fucking shirt. <laughs> yes. Because anyone missing shirt was gone. You, you couldn't leave the room. There were no smokers. Right. Like one guy went and took like huge long dumps during the day. <laughs> gone. He, by the second week he was gone. Yeah, you can't have gone. poopy guy. You can't have poopy pants. <laughs> like, so like all of these things were on your mind all the time. And like, this was the best gig any of us had like yeah. for a while. And you know, Christmas is coming up, you know, now we're starting to hurdle toward Thanksgiving and this job is going to pay by nails we can have. And we're all just like really anxious and we all got really nasty. And by the, um, I say week five, there were five of us left. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. What do you mean? This whole, it's like bullshit. The whole move was like bullshit. Week four, there were five of us left. But this, it's like a false pretense. This is bullshit. It's not a move. No, it is a move. This stuff is move. So we're putting stuff in a hallway and finally people, these other guys are coming and moving them. And I guess the law office just simply went down like the street. Okay. Like to a different building. So it wasn't like a huge moving well, day. Why do you need stuff kind of in stages? I don't understand the 40 people though. Why do you need 40 people? No, like, dude, dude, that I, makes no sense. I, dude, this is the most fucked up thing. It's one of the most fucked up experience of my life. Or they're like washing money somehow. It's like, that's just kind of what it feels like. I don't understand what was happening. It was a, it was one of the strangest experiences of my life. So fucked um, up. No stuff is getting moved, but it's happening. Like not, I said, not all happening overnight. What happens is now we are putting files in the hallway. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks, like week three and week four, you were working almost the whole day okay like there was like stuff going on all right um and you know you said you put stuff in the hallway these other guys come by like bigger you know actual moving guys come and take shit away yes you know i honestly never lifted anything over like 20 pounds this whole time did you ever see customers in there or uh, clients in there hard to tell because all these guys are in suits so okay. i don't know who's a customer who's not i mean you, yeah eventually you started to see familiar faces yeah but like you didn't really you know mm. you, i yeah plus i'm a kid i don't know what the fuck's going on you know? right yeah and uh, uh yeah so the um the last week um it was left between me Chuck and Peacoat. Three people. Three people. Wow. And we started to see like the, now the place is really starting to empty out and you're like, all right, I'm guessing whatever's next is going to get that mail. I'm I had to let, cause I went home for Thanksgiving and I, I had, I was driving my grandparents to my parents and they were going to sleep over. So I, I had to leave early on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Ooh. So I let them know that. Uh, so that Wednesday, that uh, Friday, sure enough, even though it was a holiday Friday, that Friday, sure enough, I got an email saying I was no longer needed. That was the last. Oh, one thing. Damn you know, it. You know who got the fucking mailroom job? It was fucking Peacock. Peacoat. I mean, Peacoat. That's yes, what I meant. Yeah, not yeah. Peacock. Sorry, Peacock. Peacock. Got, the, uh, got the mailroom job. Wow. Which is great because he probably, really, he was the poorest he, one. I mean, he couldn't afford it. a coat. Like, yeah. he needed the job. And he was the one that, like, want, like none of us wanted that job. No. Like, it was not, this is not a But great, it got, just got competitive. This was a weird place to work. They didn't really treat you well. There was no communication. They, I, I, I've told the story to a lot of people. I'm kind of convinced now, like 
there were cameras. Like, I almost feel like this is a social experiment. I think that's what it sounds like, like to me. The, I think there were a bunch of lawyers who were really rich who were just fucking around. <laughs> like, let's see what happens if we do these things to these people. I'm surprised. Let's put them in different quarters. Let's change up their day to day. Right. Let's see if they fight. Let's see if we incent- if we give them an incentive where they start behaving differently. Because there's no reason to do these cuts. There's no reason to have there's forty. No, pe- there's no reason to have forty people in the first place. No. If by if week three and four is when you're going to do most of the actual moving, that makes With no like sense. Twelve people. No, this seems like a. Yes. I. This seems like an elaborate way to figure out who's a good fit for your company. I for a mailroom job. But I know That's for one expense for one exactly forty people down to one for a mailroom job seems crazy. That it seems like a candid camera type. Of I situation. felt like I was being yeah like I was being watched. Yeah, yeah but I also don't know if it's my own paranoia because we were all. I don't know if I've ever been more like paranoid in my life. I don't know if I've ever been more like um like driven by like I don't say fear but driven by like anxiety. Like you were motivated by. Yes this like fear and anxiety the entire time. And then we were all like, by the end, we were all cutting each other. Like, like people would rally each other out being late. People would rally each other. Like it was like, <laughs> yes. like I remember like someone would come by and be like, Hey, is a, you know, I forget. Like, is Pico, is Pico here? And be like, Oh no, he stepped out. <laughs> but meanwhile, he's peeing in the bathroom and we <laughs> yes. know that. Yes. It's like, Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen, must- I haven't seen, I haven't him, seen uh, mustard guy. And you know, oh, is he, oh, is he still here? Is he has he even so, Oh, you guys brought him back. Fucked oh, I up. haven't seen him. Oh yeah. Like still like you would do like nasty, like, cutting each other's Achilles every chance we had. And think about like the brilliance. For what? Think for about the, yeah, for a mailroom job a that you guys didn't even want anyway. I wanted the job. But think of like how brilliant it is because it all, you know what it took? A room. That's it. A room. All that, That's all it took for people to fucking devolve. Maybe these lawyers are bored because they're moving so they got nothing going on. It's like, oh, let's fuck around these kids. <sighs> I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't know, buy man. that. I'm be, I don't know. Strange <sighs> people knew our names. Really? Yeah. Cause like, you move in a room and be like, hey, Chris. Ooh. Like a like, like all like a couple of lawyers like you'd be, like you should be moving someone to office and be like hey Chris how's the moving going today they shouldn't know because <laughs> you'd never interacted with them before was it because they'd never interacted with you no! before that's fucked up it's really weird it was a weird and like we, we should had, find this place and call them and see what the secretaries up. were um were really pretty yeah so you'd spend like you'd like want to like flirt with them even oh, though there's no yes. chance I'm fucking they're gonna date a I'm sure they're all you know with these lawyer guys they're not gonna want to date me but like but like the whole time you're like. Like it's a, it's a enticing, you know. <laughs> yes. Like there were all these like like things like to entice you. Like you know, they come back, hey, you guys can go home early if you want today. Oh, I'm not gonna go. If you, you know, want, if you want, you know. In the first week, people would have left, but like by the fourth week, we know we're like, I'm we're not gonna same right here. Plus, I need the money per hour. Anyway. I'm not yeah, gonna go anywhere anyway. But like, but yeah, they say like I oh, it was like I felt like every movement was like a trick. And, but I don't know if we just like tricked ourselves into believing that because we were with each other all the time. But. But you, so you've told the story a few times. Yes. So you've never thought, have you thought of like calling them up and just being like, Hey, do you guys remember? I'm not uh, kidding. I, even if I honestly, if I did remember the name, I probably wouldn't. I don't know if I would, but I don't, I don't remember their name. Yeah. I don't remember the name. I can t- I'll tell you where they were. They were in South station. Maybe yep. they're still there. They moved, it was 2003. They moved from one office. I went in the new office only like once or twice. So I did walk there yeah. a couple of times cause they, there was some small things we needed to bring there. Um, but very rarely were, were we there. Um, were they it was a pretty large. I want to say they had like four, maybe three fours at this building, but it was a huge, this is a legitimate law office. Like this was not like a, did they move to a bigger place or a small yeah, place? I think so. Okay. They did. So I they were expanding. They so they had money. It's they, like, they had money. Yeah. It was like all the guys were like well-dressed. You know, you're, you're packing up their, their offices and some of these offices are just gorgeous. And yeah, I mean, some of the, even the paralegals, all of them had like their own offices and they seemed, you know, okay. Yeah. But they had like five, I remember the filing cabinets. They just had like, my God, dude, I mean, oh, I, I was still, 2003. So it's before a lot yeah. of stuff's on, but there was just like, there was so many, like you could tell they had been in business a long time. It was just so many files. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was it was a wild experience, but that was the there was a reason they did there there is there is a reason 
that they did this. It, was, it wasn't just haphazard. It was either some sort of social experiment or they were, I don't think it was boredom. I, it's just, it's like too much of a pain of a hassle to just do because you're bored. Closest I ever got to like being on like a survivor, like a real, that is exactly like, like, what, that's that what is. I felt like. I felt like I'm like on a reality show Fucking and like they're weird. keeping the most entertaining people like too. like the most they, entertaining. They kept, they kept like people who were like were funny. Like, I feel like if you were funny, you lasted longer too. But how would they even know? So they, they would have had to, they would have to be monitoring That's what, but, but did I just tell myself that? Cause I want yes. to be funny. So like, <laughs> yes. Or is it, but you know what I mean? Like we start to like, you, like we all would. So the other thing remember like, especially that week two and week three, all you do is speculate. It's like, why, like, why is my buddy gone? And no one ever asked any of the Lord. Like, Hey, oh, you wouldn't dare ask. That's so crazy. You, I think I'd I have to ask. I, I didn't think, even like, Hey, we've noticed that uh, certain people I, have. Oh my God. I would never even. That you was would never not ask because you wanted the job. That, oh, I didn't want to. If you asked it, you're gone. Like I'm sure. I'm guessing. Right? I think I probably would have asked. You wouldn't gone. You wouldn't have lasted as long. That's as fine. I did. But I would have. I, you're right. You might have outlasted. I'm me. a survivor. I yeah. am. That was amazing. That was a great job by me. By lasting so long. So five weeks is what you did. Uh, was, I mean, I, that's good money. Right? It was five weeks. It went all the way to the Thanksgiving week. So five it's or like six weeks. Seven hundred bucks a week or something to just like hand, oh, it, dude, hang it, up. And it paid for like I had no real bills except for my car. So yeah, I I don't think I had I had a couple odd jobs I did in December here and there. I remember it worked one week. I'll tell if I get to that story, but I didn't have a lot of time. So that basically covered all my December. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was like, I was like, so, I mean, obviously I'm living rent free in my grand, on my grandparents. Sure. So I could have gone upstairs and had, I just didn't want to bother them any. I mean, they're already being so generous. So I remember like, I go to the supermarket. I, I'm like, I'm guessing I'm going to get hot dog. Like I would, you know, it wasn't even like the good hot dogs. It was the bar. Remember those like <laughs> yes. bar five, yes. like nine, 89 cents for like eight hot dogs. <laughs> I would buy those. And like, that was my lunch and my dinner. Like I was like that, like poor, like uh, socks, you know. Cause I would go, like, I just did, I wasn't, if I didn't have a temp job that week, I wasn't getting paid. Right. So to go from that to getting, you know, $21 an hour for like six, five or six weeks, it was huge. That's legit. It was a huge. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, um, I said it covered me. For, it was a big difference to me money wise. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a wildest, wild experience. That's, that's it was very so, strange. That's so yeah. bizarre. Ugh. All right. Um, headlines. How about Pico, right? Oh, Pico. Good for him. I wonder where he is, but I'm still, sorry, still in but you don't, yeah, <laughs> I still in my room. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, but you, you don't, the, the guy that you got, got close with. So that guy, no. So that guy left so early that, so the only way I communicated, I communicated with Pico and with this truck guy on AOL. I am oh, yeah. for a little bit longer. And then once AOL, I am phased out, then I never like, like the next thing would have been my space. But by then it had been so long mm. that like, I didn't really have any real reason to connect with these guys. It would have been interesting to ask Pico afterwards. Hey, do you, did you ever figure out what the fuck this was? I mean, I've, I've told this story a number of, I know Pico worked in the mailroom cause I was, yeah, well, and he he's like, oh, it's a, just a job. Like it wasn't. But like, didn't he ever want to know? Like, why? What, what? What? What was this thing though? Like, why did we do this? Yeah, I don't know if he ever asked. I don't know. But he was like, he said it's just a regular job. Yeah. Uh, I've told this story a number of times, but never to an audience this large. So, if anyone knows of anyone who is, I guess, we're, <laughs> like, because there were forty of us guys initially. Yeah, so there could be. A if connection. anyone knows of anyone that was working temps uh, job, I would love to talk to them. Figure out yes. what the fuck that was. Right. <sighs> might be unanswered forever i don't like i know that. i want to know weird, weird yeah all right headlines uh the cubs won their first postseason series since 1908 um on october 3rd that was sunday yeah uh kind of a you know i mean postseason series you know because the first time since they're, 1908 they're most known for though of course that's the bartman of that is bartman. so that is what they're most known for so is that was that, in the championship series yeah that would be the next series right, right? and they, they lost that in the marlins in seven games poor Bartman. uh steve bartman of course became a, a tragic figure i guess well not tragic he's still alive but yeah but st- no a, i mean yeah he had the weight of an, an entire organ you know entire yeah. fan base well, on yeah. his ass Moises, we have a temper tantrum pointing at you probably isn't going to be good no yeah it's really uh it's not his fault either it's uh 
the short, well, didn't he? Did he the reach second o- baseman's fault? Did he reach over? To yeah, the, that was bad. But the second baseman's one of the main error. Oh my god, Alex uh, Gonzalez. It's his mm-hmm. fault. Yeah. He made like two errors in that game that yeah. cost him. Um, that cost him a series. It's really more his fault. But no one ever. I, no I said one. I had a hard time even coming up with his name. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then also, you you mentioned the uh, the ALCS between uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yes. This is uh, this was the game. Um, I think it was on the fifth that Pedro Martinez he antagonized um, uh, Roger Clemens, which led to the bench clearing brawl in which Pedro throws Zimmerman onto the ground. Not Zimmerman, Zimmer. Zimmer on the ground. Thank yes. You. Do you know how I know that his name Zimmer? Don Zimmer. Yes. Because well, I was there, I was at that game. Were you at that game? You were at the Don Zimmer game. I was. So I, I uh, that was a crazy. He's gonna thing get to a see. bonus story here. Uh, so uh, my buddy and I, Brian, a guy I uh, talk about on the show quite yep. a bit. Um, so me and him, we camped out for tickets. Uh, hmm. Yes, we camped out for tickets before it was game three. Um, yeah, it was game three. That game series. three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Pedro versus Clemens. Yep. Yeah, we camped out for tickets. Um, we got. Uh, it was wild, man. Uh, camped out all night for tickets. We. They, this is when they're back when they were doing that. Um, they, uh, we got the tickets. We were so exhausted. We barely slept. Like we peed, like we peed behind this, like we yeah. take turns to pee behind this dumpster. Like we brought like a flask, but it was, it was miserable. It was cold. Not a fun experience. No. Um, I saw these like two giant rats and I was pissing. It was awful. Oh. I had to keep peeing. It was awful. Um, so we got the tickets. We went to Uno's pizzeria. So what happened was we each bought two tickets. I bought two. He bought two. We sold the extra tickets yeah. just to get our money back. Yep. And then we, we had a little extra money. So we went and got lunch at Uno's Pizzeria. We went back to my grandparents or my, my apartment. We slept for like two, three hours. And we woke back up and we went, went to the, the game because it was, it was a day game. Uh, I don't think it started super early, but it was, it was a day game. I guess I don't remember that. I remember being during the day because it was snipers on the, on the roof of Fenway Park. It was very Jesus strange. Um, and uh, it was weird. So the seat, they must have been reserving these tickets for the press. Yeah, uh, because I was like one row away from Bob Wobel and then Sean McDonough's brothers were right behind me. Oh, interesting. And they were heckling some special needs kids. It was really, really weird. Like the guy with the special needs kid was like an older teenager, but they were like kind of that's shitty. Yeah, it was just funny. It was like, I, I mean, I, I don't it was a long time ago. I don't want to. It was definitely weird. I don't know. So Ryan McDonough became a GM of the Phoenix Suns. Right. I don't know if it was him. I don't remember which ones it was. Maybe they they announced they they talked that they were mcdonald brothers other people had come over and said hi to them like they were too it seemed legit people were asking about like where it was sean and stuff right, 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 right. um but yeah they were kind of that's shitty i i don't know it was, it was a very strange thing there bobble bell was was fine um but they were definitely but yeah it was wild and then um uh that of course that famous uh thing happens with uh pedro and zimmer like that was a wild scene and wild. then in the eighth inning a, a fan like jeff nelson got into a fight with a fan in the bullpen of that <sighs> game and uh that was like a wild scene there too and then yes as we left there were snipers on the um fucked up on, it was a one of the craziest uh games i've ever been in my entire well, life that, that two years of red sox yankees was was absolutely crazy nuts yes yeah that's the best of baseball basically right there yeah i don't know if we ever had that passion no, again such I passion because yeah. you know every entertainment is so segmented now you never really see that no um but yeah that was one of the wildest experiences uh of a fan like just being there for that to be there for Clemens and Pedro and the red sox won that game which was really right. no, they really lost that game didn't they Oh, was that the da- uh, They're My Daddy game from uh, Pedro? They lost that game. Did they? I don't remember. Yeah, they lost that game. It went to seven. I, I just don't remember the pattern. Yeah. Yeah, they lost that game. Um, I think it was game three. Wasn't it game three? It was game three or game four. I forget now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a really cool, yeah, it was a really cool experience. It was an yeah, incredible pat. Like, the intensity, 
the like the intensity of that game was 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 just it was suffocating it was yeah. so wild like you know you hang on every pitch and that right i mean oh three oh four red sox i mean uh, as much as the red sox and i'm more i'm more of a mets fan now but in, in that time it was just fun to, to so fun that rivalry was crazy yeah it was a lot of fun to watch baseball then yeah i don't think you ever get that you know plus I mean, not. the red sox had such a long time between world series i know so like you know and then they had that devastation in, in you know, uh, 2003. And you know, like, it was almost like it was written. It was almost like it was like scripted. It was. It was so perfect. And it'd be down 03 and 04. Like, it I was know. almost like and too then, perfect. In 2004, it didn't even look like as good a team as 2000. 2003, Red Sox looked like a juggernaut. Uh, and the 2000, chilling. Yeah, but 04 was a problem. because yeah, I mean, Gar, uh, Garcia Parra was hurt the whole well, time. They traded, yeah, and and traded him. And they traded him yeah. towards the end. Like, they traded him. It looked like you, I mean, you had an all-star, he was hurt, but you had an all-star player that it looked like they traded for kind of some scrubs, but they, it was, what was it? Menkevich And uh, I like that trade when it happened though. I didn't like it when it happened, but that's because I loved Garcia Parra yeah, so much, but he was, Cabrera. you yeah. got more depth. That it, team was, was oh, didn't have the depth way better. Yeah. yeah. It, it turned it around. Dave Roberts too, in that trade or uh, was that, that same day. Yeah. 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 But uh, but it didn't see. But even they were sort of mediocre before that trade. They were struggling. Yeah, they yeah, were having a hard time. Kind of so yeah. four. It didn't look like that was you know that was going to be no, the story. But on paper though, you'd think the team was shilling is better. I than guess the team you're right. Without. But another year of Pedro. Pedro wasn't as good in 2004 as he was in 2003. No, he wasn't. No, he was starting. To, he rounded the bend. He was starting to get old. Yeah, and then Lo, you know he, Lowe was one of your te- uh, starters that year too, right? So. You did, and he just yeah, he started in 03 too though right but he really turned it on in 2004 towards the end of the year yeah so i i mean it didn't look i don't think 2004 looked as good uh i i i, I it depends when you look at it but i guess on paper i think the 04 team is better than the 03 team yeah maybe because oh, because of the shilling element because you have shilling and you Pedro, have shilling. even though pedro right well, who's, who's, in, sec, who's this, you have walker's second baseman yeah. uh in 2003 yeah, walker's but, range is terrible though i know but he was he a, better, hit a little bit a lot better than uh bellhorn bell oh, like, bellhorn could hit he was uh yeah Bellin walked a ton he did he was on base his yeah. his average was shitty his on base yeah, was average doesn't matter on but he had a little bit matters. of power yeah he, he but he he had a good he had a good pl- uh playoffs but it it, it didn't yeah, he had a good season yeah mm, yeah he did he, i mean he, he walked a ton and Maybe i, I don't care some. about batting average. i care about his finish like i don't care about batting average doesn't matter uh you know was a, a walks as good as a single in some ways it's better brings the pitch count up it's true um but yeah so i, I don't mind i actually like bellhorn a lot um no, I, I but Bill Horner Walker, it's somewhere of a wall. I just think having Schilling is was the difference maker there. But in theory, the Yankees though were better in 04 because they had A Rod. That's right. And they had A Rod in 03. So, oh, yeah, that's you know, right. In theory, yeah. the Yankees were, were better in 04 too, which is kind of exciting. I, that was, that, I, I, when I say it's almost not scripted, I'm not saying that it's, I don't think it was scripted, but it was no. just saying it was like so perfect and you yeah. could never, and you could run a simulator, like I play my baseball team, you could run a simulator <laughs> a million times. You would never. I mean, it was just so perfect. You have an 86 year drought, and on top of it, you have it go against the greatest rivals who had just cut their hearts out a year before. To it was be just, down zero three to come back and win in seven I mean, is crazy, you, you just crazy, right? Absolutely insane. Yeah. So that the World Series was kind of a downer after that. I mean, it was just sort of foregone foregone conclusion, kind of because I mean, it didn't. It just it, it felt like the World Series was Red Sox Yankees. Yeah, this is a really exciting, Very exciting. Um, time in my life. I I watched oh, seven, Game Seven at the Cascan Flagon. Uh, game Seven, you know, the Aaron Boone. Yep. I watched that in, at the Cask and Flagon in Boston and like leaving that place. I mean, you could have heard oh. a pin drop. It was like, oh, I mean, it was so, it was so devastating. It's rough it watching awful. it. Yeah. Cause I, I just really thought they were going to win that game. Yeah. I mean, you know, great. Obviously he's Peter win, but, but yeah, this, this moment too, between the, my temp job experience and then all the Red Sox stuff before that. Yeah. Like it was just this wild ride. And I also just like, didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was just kind of like, 
I want to work in Boston. I don't really know what I want to do, but I just want to like work in an office in Boston, whatever that means. Yeah. And I was, just, and, but yet all this like fun baseball stuff was happening. This crazy town. It was just, it was, and I was like living on my own, own kind of, was living, you know, not really, but, but it's still an apartment in your grandma's yeah. space. It's still your space. It still kind of felt like my space. Yeah. So I felt like kind of like I was a grown up. It was very, it was a strange fun time. I, I look back at that time. Probably once again, like kill bill, probably a bit more fonder than I should, because I know there were a lot of times where I was really stressed about money and really stressed about stuff. Like, we went and got those tickets and I was so thankful we could get the second one because I was so fucking poor yeah. that it meant a lot to be able not to have to like basically get a free ticket to the game because I was like, said I was buying bar eight or bar H hot dogs. I don't know if it was oh, yes. no. Yeah, it was tough. All right. So that was kill bill one. Some John Mayer. Yeah, we're back on our Patreon. We're going to be back on uh, tomorrow. If you have that, we're going to talk about uh, lost in translation. Yeah. And um, uh, so much more, I think is the name of the song. Is we it? were meant to live with so that? much more. A switchfoot. A switchfoot. Okay, that's yeah. right. So switchfoot and uh, lost translation on Patreon, and we are back on Wednesday with Kill Bill Volume, Volume Two. Two. Yeah. All right. See you then.